Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success when you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. You will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear. Welcome, everyone, to another Daily Creep Podcast show. And today, I have author, entrepreneur, biohacker, and women's trauma healer, Anna Krajathian, is the founder of the Goddess Rising Workshop and director of The Butterfly. She believes that everyone's pain has a purpose and teaches people how they can transform their traumas through written and goal setting. Anna has saved herself from suicide and written herself out of depression and helped hundreds of women find their power and rise into their goddess energy. She is the author of Unmasking Depression, Lovely Poetry on Love and Loss, and Lovelier, The Goddess and the Dragon. She is also a 2016 semifinals in the Australian Women's Weekly and Qantas Women of the Future Award. When she was four, Anna's parents fled war-torn Georgia, seeking asylum and new life for their children. She currently lives in Melbourne, Australia, and I am really excited about having you on here. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show. I uh, can't wait to hear your story. I typically have people not tell me their story ahead of time, so that way I can hear it for the first time whenever I get them on my show. But you definitely have a backstory, and that's kind of like where I want to start. But welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me here, JR. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, let's take, let's start on your backstory. Take us back to the younger you before you became this entrepreneur, writer, and everything that you do now. And tell us, uh, you know, start wherever you want, but just kind of take us through the beginning. Well, if I were to start at the very beginning, um, I was born the day after the revolution started in uh, Tbilisi in Georgia, which is a former USSR state. And, you know, when the Soviet Union was collapsing, there was a lot of turmoil going on in all of the states. And literally the day the day after everything started in Tbilisi, I decided, hey, mom, I'm coming out. I want to fight. And after that, there were very uncertain times. There were very challenging times. There was a lot of um, discrimination, a lot of people turning on each other, dobbing each other in, men were being conscripted into the army. My mom didn't like it at all. And she basically said to my father, like, we are leaving. And though my parents had applied to come to Australia as um, like asylum seekers, the Australian policy at the time was that you needed to have someone sponsor you, even if you were a legitimate refugee, even if you're skilled and so forth, you needed someone to financially sponsor you. Australia still has that policy. And my mum's uni friends had moved here, but anyway, there was a delay. And mum and dad literally took my brother and I, my brother was three at the time, I was four, they jumped on a plane and we ended up in Germany. In Germany, we lived in detention centers as asylum seekers. We had a lawyer try to, you know, help us stay there. But at the time, this is like the early 90s, so 93. At the time, Germany was experiencing a similar asylum seeker influx as we had 
with the Syrian refugees and they were trying to disperse everyone that they could, understandably so. So we couldn't stay, but uh, our lawyer said to my parents, New Zealand is looking for skilled migrants. And my parents are ridiculously intelligent people. Uh, Dad completed honours in engineering um, with first-class distinction. My mum completed... um, applied mathematics. She was a computer programmer. This is back when computers were these ginormous machines that took up like an entire building, right? And so they set the test. And I still remember the day like we got accepted to go to New Zealand because I had just started school. It was like my first day at German school after kindergarten. Dad comes in, knocks on the door and takes me out of school because we're jumping on a plane and we're flying to New Zealand. Hmm. In New Zealand, we lived at the back of a Russian church for a while. Then we lived in like a townhouse that I can't remember who owned this townhouse, but I was, there were some New Zealanders that were basically housing us there. They didn't live there. Um, then mum found a job. We lived there for some time. And in that time, dad made a few trips to Australia On his second trip, he found work here. We had family friends at the time for warning us that Australia was changing its rules and regulations between um, people who are kind of like island hopping from New Zealand to Australia to become citizens. It was a thing. It still is a thing. And so we made it just before the cutoff time. Now, I give this entire backstory because it's important important for people to understand when I share the rest of my story, that they also understand like where my parents were. They were young, they had three kids, and they had started from zero in three countries that were not home. They had no support. They had, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. They had none of that because they, fa- they left their families. They didn't want to live through those dark times back into it was really hard. Like my aunt, my mum's sister stayed and she was telling me stories how in minus degrees temperature, they had no electricity and she had to find ways to feed six people in the household, including her two young sons. Um, and she'd feed them with pasta, three meals a day, and she'd find creative ways to cook this pasta. So it was really, really challenging. On the flip side, It was challenging for my parents too Um, because, you know, imagine uprooting your life three times with three kids in countries where English is like your second or third language. Mm. So when we moved to Australia, uh, my mum was adamant that we go to an Armenian school because my dad, from my dad's side, I have Armenian heritage. From my mum's side as well, like it's, I'm a bit of a mix. I've got Armenian, Russian, Georgian, Jewish. Like it's 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 a South Caucasus cocktail, was what I call it. And so we went to an Armenian school, and after being exposed to a lot of different ethnicities, multiculturalism in New Zealand and Germany, going to a school that was one ethnic background was a culture shock for me. Mm. But that wasn't what was the hardest part. The hardest part was catching up academically and also at the same time 
at home wasn't easy because my father had quite um, emotionally and psychologically abusive tendencies. And when he wasn't, when my mum stopped being that emotional rubbish bin, me being the next female in line, he would let all of that out on me. And so I remember I was 16, I was working on, I think, a science paper or or a maths paper, and there was a situation that happened at home where he just yelled at me. It was was very intense. And I remember just crying and crying and crying and crying. And I had literally folded over um, my leg like from the torso down, I had folded over and I was just in agony. And my mom was sitting next to me, she's telling me that she was basically explaining to me then, this is like 17 years ago, she was explaining to me that what my father was doing was projecting onto me his own stuff. Now, this is before social media. This is before the amount of education we have on narcissism, on bipolar, on uh, psychology, right? This is 17 years ago. Nobody talked about this stuff. And I was just listening to my mother say that. I sat up, I wiped my tears, I put my hands back on the keyboard to finish my assignment. And I decided in that moment that no external circumstance will ever dictate who I am and who I become in my life. And so even though I had very challenging years in my late teens and then in my early 20s where I did depression and I had suicidal ideation, because I made that choice when I was 16 years old that I wouldn't ever let external circumstances or even internal circumstances dictate who I become and what I do and what I can accomplish. I still have that embodied in me. And so when, you know, my parents separated, when I was um, finalizing my schooling, uh, I actually bailed on my mom. We nearly went to a women's refuge, but I bailed on her. Um, We moved out like literally three months before I was sitting for my university admission index, which is our like year 12, you know, university final exams. We like we moved houses. Um, and after that, I went overseas back home to visit my family. I came back and my brother, who is like a year younger than me, and my mother started to repeat the same pattern that I experienced from my father. That is very, very, very common um, in narcissistic, abusive, emotionally abusive um, dynamics. So that led me down another spiral of just constant self-doubt, constantly walking on eggshells. It was a very challenging time. And it got to the point where I was in a relationship at that time and it was either moving out of home or jumping off the balcony. I had had enough. And because who I was with, I didn't want to hurt them by, you know, not existing anymore. Um, I moved out of home. 
with $500 in my bank account, basically nowhere to go, no really solid income. Luckily, my friend and her family said, you can stay with us until you, you know, get solid footing. This was 10 years ago. And within two weeks, I had found four jobs. I was working seven days a week, re-enrolled into uni to finish my degree. I had three units left. And in that time, because I was no longer everybody's rock and I had collected so much grief over that time, I dived headfirst into depression and I did depression for a few years. And for me, writing has always been an outlet. So I grabbed an empty diary and I started just pouring my emotions out onto paper. If I'd have a panic attack at 3 a.m. in the morning out of nowhere, I'd grab this empty diary that I had reserved for this purpose. I'd write, I'd feel better, I'd close it, put it away. and unbeknownst to me, I was writing myself out of depression and writing my first book. I didn't intend it to be my first book, but that's what had happened. So in 2015, I launched The Butterfly and my first book, Unmasking Depression. And since then, it's just been taken me to where I am today. That's amazing. There's a lot of key things in here. And I know you talk like 10 years and 17 years ago was so long, but I'm like looking back and I'm like, I can tell you exactly where I was at 10 years ago and 17 years ago. And here you're trying to run away from a war and, and everything else. And here, you know, me personally in my story, I'm actually going to war. So like I, I was in Iraq uh, around that time back in 2006 and stuff like that. So like the timing of everything is just kind of like, man, you know, while you're trying to get out, we, we never, we never really think about the people that are actually living in that situation. We don't think about the people that are like surrounded, like the people in Iraq. I try to tell people all the time, it's like, there's a lot of really great people in the Middle East. They're just in a really bad situation and they just can't get out of it. And that's kind of like what you were at. So it's like, you, you had no choice of the situation that you're in and you're kind of, you know, stuck. But one thing that I really love about it is the resilience that you and your family have, have gone through and to really push through to get to where you're at today because you could have given every excuse or you could have just stayed there and give every excuse of why you can't leave, why you can't do something, why you, you, you're, you're stuck and why you have this bad life. And then all these other excuses going through, but you guys didn't, you use your skill sets, you use your knowledge and you found a way to make things happen. And the other thing too, is like, you know, a, a word that kept coming to my mind is like entitled. And so many people in like, I, I don't know how it is in Australia and stuff like that, but like here in the U S too many people have the the entitlement, thinking like they they're entitled to the things that they they have and that they deserve, versus someone like you. You had to go through hell to get to where you're at to be able to build your dream, and it was no entitlement. It was no hand me out. It was no saying excuse to saying okay, I deserve this in a way, but more I need to earn it and find my way, and 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 that's yeah. that's why I absolutely love and I, and as an entrepreneur. I come across so many new beginning entrepreneurs and they immediately want to sign up for a coaching program or they immediately want to get help thinking it's going to be the the, the red button that's good that they click and the, the money's magically going to grow from a tree that they don't have to do any work. And it's true. And I have people that do that all the time. And then they, they come to me like three or six months later, it's like, Jerry, I'm just still stuck in the same place. And I'm like, look, we talk about the same thing every single week. You're not taking action. You're not doing the things that need to get done to be able to build your business. And it's not going to do it. It's on its own. You got to show up. You got to do the work because if you don't, no one's going to do it for you. And so from, from you and telling your story, it's just kind of a really good reminder for me. Uh, and I'm sure everyone listening here that 
you know, there are people like you that had to go through hell to get to where you're at today. And it's not a hand me out. And it just makes your story that much stronger and more powerful to be able to inspire and to help people, which I, I absolutely love because you could tell like that fire inside of you with this resilience, but like, Hey, you know what? You're not going to tell me that I can't do this. You're not going to tell me that I can't write a book. You're not going to tell me that I'm not going to get published and I'm going to make this my living. I'm going to inspire people. I'm going to do it. And that's, yeah. that's kind of like what your mom and dad, you know, regardless of how they treated you, you know, that I, I, I personally see a lot of that fire that they had and the resilience kind of push inside of you. So in family origins, you know, there's always good and bad that come out of it. And even the things that we're, that are bad can ultimately be the good character trait that helps us grow. I mean, I, I, I have the same, same thing for myself. It's just kind of like growing up. I didn't know that I grew up poor. I didn't know that I grew up in, in a struggling home and stuff like that. Cause my, my mom was a single, single parent with five kids. I'm one of one, one of five and I'm the only boy. And yet I still had an amazing upbringing, got to do a bunch of sports. I mean, first time I ever saw the beach was in 2000 or when I was 17 years old. And, but our family vacations was going camping. But to me, that was, that was life. Like we went to, we went to the river and we set up tents in the campground and, and that that was our family fun. And, uh, and I absolutely loved it, but didn't know at the time that we did that because we couldn't afford other things, but yet it was still an amazing upbringing. So there's a lot of really good that came out of it. So Cool. So a couple of key words that I find with you is first off, you're a fighter and you, you push through and do what you got to do. You have resilience, you have no entitlement and you're going to do what you want because you want it because you want it and you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. So tell us about what you're doing today. You're this author. What are you doing today to inspire people and why are you doing it? Great question. Yeah, I do have a fire in me because I'll tell you why. First, I felt so alone when I was in that darkness, like in my book, uh, Unmasking Depression, I use the analogy of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And when a caterpillar is in the cocoon, it turns to mush. It literally dies, right? Or it becomes a butterfly and morphs into a butterfly. While this, butter- while this caterpillar is in the cocoon, it's in darkness, right? But it hangs on a leaf. And around the leaf, it's surrounded in light, Mm. right? If you open this cocoon prematurely, you will kill the butterfly. The butterfly needs to come out on its own accord. That cocoon needs to fall off in its own timing. And so I look back at my dark years and I realized that I was surrounded by light. I just didn't see it. Mm. And so I have made it my mission that nobody ever, feels alone when they come in contact with me, when they are in their own darkness. And so because I made this my mission to help people transform their pain into their purpose, I've published Unmasking Depression. I've done lots of author talks. I have then published lovely poetry on love and loss. And last year published the sequel, Lovelier, The Goddess and the Dragon. I'm writing the last book for that series. Um, it will be loveliest. The subheading, uh, the subheading is a secret at the moment. I'm a quarter way through. So that will finish itself when it's ready. Um, I have fallen into, and I say this very deliberately, I have fallen into um, becoming a healer a women's trauma healer. The reason I don't use the word coach is because I teach 
women the tools they need to heal themselves. For me, it's about empowerment. I don't want to tell people, this is what you've got to do. I want to teach you how to go do the thing Mm -hmm. so that when I'm not around and you're like on an island on your own somewhere, you have that tool with you. You are empowered. And it's taken me like, you know, 15 years to get to where I am and read all the books and do all the healing and attend the workshops and the modalities and everything else that I've done. And I want everybody to have that power within them. And because for me, it's holistic, I've also become a biohacker and partnered with a company that creates a natural product that activates your NRF1 and NRF2 pathways. So it's, for me, it's not just, you know, your mental health. It's your physical health. It's your nervous system health. It's your spiritual health. Every single part has a place within the whole system. That's awesome. That's really powerful. So is your ideal part person is mainly a woman suffering from depression or who, who would you typically like to go after and help? Typically, I work with women. Like when I run my sisterhood, my goddess rising workshop, my one-on-one containers, they are predominantly for women. I haven't yet entered the male space and there are excellent coaches out there available for men specifically. I work with women who, they don't necessarily have to be depressed. I find the women that approach me are women who are transitioning. Mm. They can feel something is wrong. They can't pinpoint what's wrong. They don't feel like themselves. They've lost their spark. They've lost their feminine radiance. They kind of feel like they're meandering through life. They don't know who they are. And what I help them do is find themselves again. And once they do, beautiful. That's awesome. So you let's let's go like uh, like your first introduction with a, a potential client or someone that has trauma that you're going to start with. What is the first step that that you go through with every single person and and your reasoning behind it? When I talk to them or when they start working with when me? They start working with you. So someone, they a, a woman has trauma, they, they have issues and you help them transition out of where they're currently at into this place of where you're taking them. What is your first step? Ah. So like the, the reason why I want to, I want to say this, because like if someone's listening to this, like, man, there she's speaking directly to me. What can I do to get started now? So the first question I ask is what is going on in your life? And typically the person I'm working with starts telling me, you know, this is bothering me. This is up. This triggered me. This is going on. And because I work from an intuitive space, because I am an empath and I'm highly intuitive, when they start talking about something, I dig deeper than that thing. Because what people don't realize, and this is something that Marston Kipp teaches, he's incredible. If anyone hasn't ever heard of him, look up uh, Marston Kipp on Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu. His talk is just brilliant. And what he shares in that talk is, you know, you could have stepped on a nail when you're five years old and never taken that nail out. What would happen? your foot would start to get gangrene. And 20 years later, you're walking around with this nail in your foot 
and you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, we need to amputate your foot. Why? Because 20 years ago, you stepped on a nail and you didn't take the nail out and treat it with antiseptic and you've been walking around with a nail in your foot and now it needs to be amputated because it's got gangrene. Mm. What people don't realize is their nervous system health, their emotional health, their mental health, their traumas are exactly the same. Something could have happened to you. You're not even aware of it. Some are aware of it. Some people just brush it off because um, that's a coping mechanism. And coping mechanisms aren't bad. They're really good because they've helped you survive. They were there to help you survive, except, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to amputate that foot. You want to heal the initial um, reason, the initial trauma, so that you keep your foot, right? Yeah. And so that is what I do when I start working with anyone who decides to work with me. Like, yeah, you've got this surface level issue, but that's not the real issue. Let's dig deeper. Yeah, that's powerful. I love the, the example of the nail in the foot. And as you're saying, I'm like cringing my stomach. It's like, man, how can you walk around with that? But I, I started yeah. feeling as saying it because I'm like, okay, there's different things that happen goes back to our childhood. There's different things that happen in our life that is trauma that eventually you'll explode. I mean, it'll just kind of come out and then it's like you're, you're a ticking time bomb. And that, that's happened to, to me a couple of times. It's like, man, you just never, never know. So that's uh, that's really powerful. I love that. So the, the big question that I ask every person that comes on our show is like, what is the creed? Meaning what is the one thing that you're most committed to that you're going to be resilient, even through the most difficult times, you're going to show up every day, giving your best and having the emotional and physical discipline to complete your mission. So it sounds like you're really clear on what your mission is and you're really clear on what your creed is. So why don't you share what is your creed? So my creed is I have a 200-year life plan, oh, wow. life goal, I should say. Um, I mean, I don't have kids yet, but my creed involves, you know, potentially having them. But even if I don't, um, I want what I do now to impact at least five generations. And I want everyone who comes in contact with me in any way, shape, or form to know that the diagnosis doesn't have to be their destiny, that their pain can become their purpose, and that they matter, that they chose for some reason as a soul to have a human existence and experience, and that that has a purpose in this world. That's powerful. I absolutely love that. So what is the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Best way would probably be um, my Instagram or uh, my website, which I've nearly finished updating. <laughs> I haven't updated it in seven years. So my Instagram is uh, Anna Kjadzian. So just my full name uh, as one word. I have a... Uh, an Instagram for my butterfly page as well, but that needs updating. Or my website is thebutterfly.com.au. Butterfly.com.au. And I'll I'll definitely have all these underneath the episodes so people can click on it and be able to uh, go right there to it. So that would be awesome. Um, did you have anything else that you want to say? Any last minute thoughts? Yeah, I'll add this because it came up yesterday as a as I was on my power walk in the morning, um, most people do not like doing unpleasant things, right? 
However, as Paulo Coelho writes, if you only walk on sunny days, you will not reach your destination. And the thing in life is there's no such time or day as a perfect day or time. Conditions will never be the best possible. It matters what you make of them. You know, you are a collection of your choices. Even not choosing is a choice. So if you aren't happy with where you are in your life, just choose differently and choose consistently. And once you start making different choices, you'll start doing things in a different way. And you do that long enough, three weeks, three months, three years, watch your life change. That's powerful. I absolutely love it. And that's a really good note to, to end on. And anyone that's listening to this show, if you guys got anything out of this, just know that it takes resilience to get to where you guys want to go and to be able to achieve what you want to desire. And if you guys found this episode helpful, please uh, comment below, give us a five-star rating so that way we can get this message out to as many people as possible. And until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to the Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear. If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with JR online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at FitProFunnels. And you can also find him on Instagram at jr.spear.